Welcome everyone, you're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. This is a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. I am Chris, and I'm here with Denise, and Dawn, and Pat. And today we have gathered here in this place (laughs) to discuss pop psychology psychology. in various forms and media, uh, internet, books, and whatever everybody else has brought to the table. <laughs> so let, let's start by kind of a loose definition of pop psychology. Mm-hmm. Popular psychology. Mm-hmm. Pop psych. Mm-hmm. Pop psy. Go ahead. Okay. All right. I looked it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the real <laughs> definition of this. <laughs> I was hoping that's where you were going with that. somebody had, yeah. <laughs> Because we all just think we know what it is. Right. <laughs> I look nothing up about definitions. Well, let me tell you, after I read this, you probably still won't know. But mm-hmm. um, it is the concepts and theories about human mental life and behavior that are purportedly based on psychology and that find credence among the oh among and pass muster with the populace. So... Hmm. That is, I don't know, probably Wikipedia or something like that. It's a little definition. As long as people are willing to believe it, it's pop psychology. Yes. Hmm. Well, okay. and I also take it to be psychology that is just mostly for entertainment. Which is interesting because I think that's how we got the topic for this. Mm-hmm. However, when I was doing research, mm-hmm. it was not necessarily the case. All the things that I was running across was more um, substantial kind of research things. Mm-hmm. And I found an article that said seven common pop psychology myths that you might be spreading. All right, let's spread some myths. All right, let's do it. Well, first of all, the reason that they are myths is because psychology is in the midst of a replication crisis. What, what? does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means that they can't reproduce the study. Yeah, it means oh, okay. you do a study, you get results, but nobody else can get the same results, yes. right? So yeah. it's not real science. Right. Yeah. Because it's not because re- it replicable. Has to be replicable. Yeah. So it's like in some of these that were debunked is uh, learning styles. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the power stance. I guess there's a TED talk about this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you know when you stand with your feet spread apart and your hands on your hips. Uh-huh. Super, you superhero more, stance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You feel more powerful and all that, and you, yeah, you're more confident, and yeah, they couldn't reproduce that. Um, hmm. <laughs> smiling makes you happy. Okay, so Chris, <laughs> just a minute ago, we were talking about. <laughs> he just fake smiles his way through that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy happier? happier? Did Having you fake put a smile on your face in order to start this recording? No. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that just debunked. I might be happier now. I don't think it has anything to do with smiling or not. (laughs) It's just being here with us. I'm just happy we started this recording. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's probably that, that's probably pseudoscience right there. Starting recordings is proven to make you happier. <laughs> we have one person. We have one person. <laughs> because <laughs> that's what happened to me. So you know. But is so it replicable, <laughs> Chris? Well, I don't know. Let's stop this recording and start up again and see. Fifty times and see if you're happier every time we start recording. Well, I think that that would probably apply. We'd have to apply the law of diminishing returns, right? Okay, like, this yeah. is going way but that, too but far. But that's out. that's e- economics. That's not like. But but I think there's something to that about people's people's reactions and responses to outside stimuli or to decisions they make. That if you make the same decision over and over, or you take the same action over and over, there might be diminishing returns of happiness or feeling of well being. But in this case, starting a podcast recording, that's got to be great. That's got to be great time. every time. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm going to start keeping a tally. So, so that goes back to one of my studies that I looked at. Yeah. The Hawthorne effect. Okay. Tell us about that. So that was when, uh, I can't remember the year, but they did a, a study. Yeah. In, <laughs> in a, like an industrial warehouse kind of thing. And they changed with the one group, the control group stayed the same, but in the other group, they changed the lighting and productivity increased. And then they changed, um, they added longer breaks or more breaks in the productivity increased and they added this and that. Well, they came back full circle and then they put the lights back to the same. Uh, level as the other group and productivity increased and it's basically the fact that they're being watched yeah so their productivity increased Mm. isn't that watched or they get attention Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's very interesting well don't that's one of isn't that one thing that happens is like knowing you're being observed changes the results of the experiments Yeah. yeah Blind observation is always best. Yeah. Every every pop psychologist knows that. Don't, yeah, don't let them see you. Don't let them see you study. All right. Well, that sounds creepy. Yeah, it does sound creepy. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what this sounds like a way for for a keeper to get out of. Um, <laughs> is that learning style I was just thing? Doing I don't know. I'm just doing science. <laughs> so you think that that's that's valid? I. Well, I think some of it's valid. I think I think people have taken it way too far. Like, oh, well, I'm a kinesthetic learner. I can't learn sitting in a chair. Well, baloney. Everybody can learn every way. But you may be more comfortable or whatever, mm-hmm. a certain thing. But I also think there's a lot to do with what you're trying to learn, what the best style might be for learning it, rather than intrinsically you have a certain learning style it's the material that you're trying to get across there might be a best learning style for conveying that information to someone whoever that person is okay that's interesting okay so basically what this says is that people feel they've learned the material better if they have used their learning style but Hmm. they haven't they just it just tricks them into thinking that they, they did think they have that's yeah. interesting okay or into so. fe- feeling that they did yeah well it's the Hawthorne effect mm-hmm. because you're paying attention to me you're using my learning style mm-hmm. I feel better mm-hmm. <laughs> right hmm so okay all right let's see the Lady Macbeth effect what is that. 
people exposed to (laughs) or made to engage in unethical behavior are driven to wash their hands or otherwise clean themselves, as researchers reported in 2006 in Science, I guess, magazine. But that's not true. Nope. Uh, It says it was based on a claim on a lab study in which people copied, they copied the lab study by hand an account of sabotaging someone and then found products like soap and toothpaste more desirable <laughs> than if they had copied a story about helping someone. And then it says later studies found that people felt guilty after washing. Huh. <laughs> that's all really bizarre. That's yeah. really weird. That's bizarre. So, I mean... Huh. And then here's one. Wear red to attract a mate. So, which is interesting, several studies have reported that men rate women wearing red as sexier and more attractive than women wearing other colors, something that scientists have spun into a just-so story. (laughs) So now why are women not attracted to red? Mm Um, because we go by other things that are not just looks. <laughs> uh, we don't tend to sit around rating people. Well, that was one of the things that was debunked, right? Didn't she say it was like, that was, that's the things that were myths, the red. Yeah, so, so we, we probably do sit around rating people. <laughs> just not out loud. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with color. <laughs> yeah. I'm still maintaining that it's probably not just based on looks. <laughs> Which, another study I read talked about how makeup, whether it attracted men more than... Yeah, it was weird. I didn't print that one out, but (laughs) it it basically said no. I read a study about the type of humor that women find most attractive. Oh, Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is that? Clean humor. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently... The study that was published in Personality and Individual Differences. Yeah. There's a journal called that. That's a real journal. um, They sought out to find whether women find clean humor or dirty jokes more attractive. And it turns out that crude humor can be a big turnoff to women unless they have a relaxed attitude towards casual sex. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Oh, that's what the makeup thing was, was about if they were more likely to be interested in sex. Casual sex. Casual sex. Yeah. So, the psychologist from the University of Southern Mississippi gathered nearly 100 heterosexual women with an average age of 21 and reeled off a load of dirty and clean jokes. Do you guys want me to tell you some of the jokes? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe some of the clean Maybe ones. Maybe some. <laughs> Here's one of the dirty jokes. <laughs> okay. I love Cut that. this out. <laughs> okay. Two drunks were sitting at the bar staring into their drinks. One said, Hey, have you ever seen an ice cube with a hole in it before? The other said, Sure, I've been married to one for 18 years. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so. So it's not just dirty jokes, it's misogynist jokes. Yeah. Which is where we're going here, so. Hmm. Well, that's just one of the examples. I don't yeah. know what all the jokes were. Right. That was just one of the examples. 
Hmm. So one of the clean jokes was a couple are sitting in their living room sipping wine. Out of the blue, the wife says, I love you. Is that you or the wine talking? Asked the husband. It's me, says the wife, talking to the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. (laughs) So first, the women were simply asked to rate how funny they found the different jokes. And then they were shown dating profiles of random guys, which the researchers randomly paired with either a crude joke or a clean joke for each woman. The woman then rated the men on how sexually attractive they found them. Overall, the guys that kept it clean were the most attracted to both long-term relationships and short-term hookups, although clean jokers were seen as especially desirable for long-term relationships. Hmm. Hmm. And so, one of the things that they concluded was that cracking unoffensive jokes makes you appear more benevolent, kind-hearted, and thoughtful. What about bad jokes? (laughs) And as, as long as it's clean. So they didn't say anything. I they didn't say they had to your, be funny. Your cheesy that, and corny jokes. You know, I think that shows a high amount of intellect there. Wit and intellect. If you if you have puns. That's and, what I've heard. You know, language-based That's what I've jokes. heard. That's what I've been told. That's what I think. That's funny. So w- one thing I find is interesting is it, did the study talk about women who tell crude jokes? I think the only thing that that was mentioned in the article that I read mm-hmm. was that women who had relaxed attitudes towards casual sex tended to enjoy dirty jokes considerably more than women with a more restricted attitude towards sex. Okay. I don't know about telling them, but they enjoyed them more. If yeah. They had a, relaxed attitude towards casual sex <laughs> okay. hmm. what else did we cover all your your myths dawn uh yeah for the most part it, i mean there were a couple other others but you know that pretty much went but the the myths that i thought you were going to say myths that were about like pop psychology in general but it sounds like they were studies that would be considered pop side that have been debunked as myths not yeah, because they went back and they retested these, and they had uh, typically did more people in the study, mm-hmm. and um, they couldn't reproduce the effects of it. Hmm. So they they took like I think it was like a hundred different um, pop psychology results, I guess, mm-hmm. or tests, and and redid them. Hmm. So. That's very interesting. That mm-hmm. seems to be one of the limiting things about all the studies is that they always have such a small control or whatever, mm-hmm. like it's a thousand people or whatever, and then they just run a percentage from that. And so they're like, right. well, this percentage of people, but I mean, how diverse were those groups that you had in that study? <laughs> right. They, you know, all from well, like the I, same yeah, I was just, region I was or just state or hearing someone country. talk yesterday mm-hmm. on a, a, it was a radio interview or something, and it was someone talking like it was news that... Um, for women, the the um, symptoms of having had a heart attack are different than for men, mm-hmm. which we have known for a while mm-hmm. now. But she was right. talking as if this was brand new, you know, news. But um, but the fact that all of the research that had been done up until what twenty five years ago or so 
was only done on men, that tells you that that's who the results mm-hmm. are for, you know? Mm-hmm. So, hmm. well, yeah. And when just like yeah. this study that I just talked yeah. about, it was a hundred heterosexual females. Right. So straight girls like clean humor. That doesn't really tell you anything about a wide variety of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I found a couple of um, book reviews that are, that are debunking self-help books. <laughs> so one of them is called Fool's Paradise, The Unreal World of Pop Psychology. And this one um, just quotes a whole bunch of self-help books, self-help manuals, and talks and points out their inconsistencies, points out where they plagiarized, points out where they're bragging about stuff. And then contrasts them with, with the, the review says, the human wisdom conveyed in the works of Chaucer, Shakespeare, Dostoevsky, and others. Which I thought was an interesting way to talk about psychology. But mm-hmm. anyway, so specifically he mentioned books by Theodore Rubin, M. Scott Peck, Dr. Phil, as being all about theory without evidence, reality that's all about perception not what Mm -hmm. actually happened and that readers are always just instructed to depend on themselves no one else and and it's all up to you and you can make the changes the other book that that's reviewed is called self-help inc makeover culture in american life and i thought this one was really interesting because this one talks a little more about the socioeconomic roots and attractions of self-help. Mm-hmm. And um, she's looking at a spectrum of advice books that where she points out the illogical claims, the repetitiveness that she finds throughout the books. Um, she looks at... People like Benjamin Franklin and John Stuart Mill is kind of being the early self-help people, hmm, right? Because Benjamin Franklin with his, you know, his little sayings and his, this is my method for getting things done during the day and those kind of things. Um, but she said what she's really arguing about is that the whole self-help industry ignores... social inequities Mm -hmm. as a reason for people not being successful. It it, it completely ignores economic insecurity. It completely ignores political inequality, social status, all those things that that put people on a different footing to begin with. And, And, you know, they're just saying, oh, but if you change your life to do this and this and this and behave in this way everything will be fine, completely ignoring all those other things mm-hmm. about your situation that have put you where you are or that have contributed to your being where you are. So I thought that was a really interesting thing because I'm kind of a... I don't read self-help books much, but I, I'm interested in them mm-hmm. because I think, you know... Look, everyone wants to improve themselves. 
you know? Yeah. So let's get this book about how to be happy, or let's get this book about mm-hmm. how to be the best parents, or let's get this book about this. So what I take on that mm-hmm. is that your frame of mind makes a big difference in your life. Depend. I mean, mm-hmm. aside from your status. Right. So... You may not have a lot of money. You may not be in the greatest situation, but that still doesn't mean you can't be happy and be um, grateful for the things you have. But and within that, yeah. helping you to see ways to progress and to get out of that situation if that's what you choose. Okay. I'm thinking of a situation of someone who is um, someone 25 to 30 years old whose parents brought them over illegally to this country Mm -hmm. and who have really worked very hard to put themselves in a situation where they went to college, they, you know, got a great job. And now they're stuck not knowing whether they're going to get to stay in this country and what that's going to do to their lives. There are forces outside their control that impact their lives. They can't fix that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I think she's really talking about is those kind of inequities where mm-hmm. I can I can make all the changes I want to in my life but there are forces beyond my control that are going to keep me from from accomplishing the kind of things or being the successful person that I want to be. Yeah. And I I really think that's what she's talking about hmm. in this book. That that I mean all of these books for the most part they promise that you are going to come out of it successful in whatever way. You yeah. Know? So you want, it's interesting. Yeah, it treats everybody like they're on the same. Yeah, starting like at the on same a level playing field, and, yeah. and you have every opportunity open to you. And mm-hmm. one, it's like some of those self help books that are like, "Oh, you want to get over your anxiety, or uh-huh. you want to be happier? Travel." All righty, how am I going to do that? I can't. I can't afford to travel. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety keeps me from being able to get on a plane mm-hmm. or a bus or a boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, we'll go get therapy. Okay, well, that's still something that I cannot afford. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of blocks yeah. that you have. Yeah, yeah, you can sit there and be like, okay, I'm not going to be scared about this. I'm not going to be scared about this. You can't really stop your brain from having a mental illness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and thinking about it makes it worse. If I can't afford <laughs> medication, mm-hmm. if I can't afford therapy, if I can't afford what the nice little self-help book is talking about, you know, take a week off and go try. Well, alrighty then. Like mm-hmm. none of these things can really help you if you're poor. Mm-hmm. I guess those are not the self-help books I've read. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds well, me of that thing that we just talked about today about the... What is it, just ask or the... Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I was talking to Grizz about... We were talking about a Kickstarter project that we we had come across. And I was talking about how Kickstarter really doesn't work for you unless you already have a following. Unless you're already someone, Kickstarter is, you know, who's going to donate money to you to 
do whatever you want. So to is do. that or, like crowdfunding yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. Or, or even like Patreon or stuff, where you're <laughs> expecting people to to give you money for, for whatever. Something. Like, like yeah. I want to sit at home and write comics all day. Well, good for me. I need income to pay my rent. Right. So I'm gonna do a Patreon and see who will give me five bucks every week or whatever for me to continue to make this content. Well, unless you already have a following. Yeah. You know, good luck to you. Right. And how many $5 does it take to exactly. not have a job elsewhere? Right. right. Well, you have to have a huge following. Right. And one of the things that I, I was telling Chris that I was really annoyed with was Amanda Palmer, who I like as a musician. She's married to Neil Gaiman. And she did several studio albums and then decided mm-hmm. that she didn't want to deal with the studio anymore. So she did a Kickstarter album. Okay. She was already famous. Mm-hmm. So pay me whatever you want for my album, you know, donate a little bit of money here. Well, okay, well, you have a million something followers and they want to give you five bucks. Mm-hmm. All right. And then. your husband's a multi-billion selling mm-hmm. author. Well, can, and okay, yeah. so I don't know Amanda Palmer, but I know Neil Gaiman. This mm-hmm. girl's married to Neil Gaiman. Well, let me listen to her music. Yeah, I'll give her five bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she gets a book deal because it's called The Art of Asking. And I'm like, yeah. It's it like you you asked your two million followers who came through. Well, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, but a yeah. normal person can't go up there and make do a Kickstarter and be like, I have this great. Well, your idea might be super great, and mm-hmm. you might have this great invention that you want to do, but it's going to take you money to do it. Yeah. And, and no one knows you. Accidentally, be the one person who somebody catches it. Somebody, mm-hmm. right. somebody famous it with a big following. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah, but well, so being a normal that, person, right. just going out there asking for things. Well, good luck to you. And the thing that I don't like about that too is that um, my child decided he wanted to buy this one thing, and he said, "Mom, will you order it for me?" Because he doesn't have a credit card. Right. So um, I'm looking at it. Well, it's not the actual product. It's for the idea of the product. They, yeah. you, they might send you something eventually once they actually create it. But right now, <laughs> it's just... If they get the money for yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And when I told him that, it's like, if, <coughs> if I hadn't looked at that, he would have spent money on that and got nothing. Which would have been very sad for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it also depends on the platform, because if you don't meet your goal, like on Kickstarter, you set up X amount of time. If you don't meet your goal, mm-hmm. they didn't take any money out mm-hmm. of your account, uh, you know, okay. it didn't, the project didn't get funded, and off it goes, and okay, you get to keep Five your $5. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but still, like you're pledging to give someone money mm-hmm. for something that they may or may not do. Yes. And they were they were straightforward in telling you that mm-hmm. once I read the mm-hmm. right. print about it. Right. Well, yeah. If we <laughs> if we can't get the money, we can't make this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Amanda Palmer. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just read that book and open a Patreon account and just wait for the dollars to come just, rolling in. Come right All you have in. to do is ask. <laughs> yeah. Just, but you have to buy the book first. You have to buy the book. <laughs> and but then, you know the thing is too is though. <laughs> It was obviously something that my child wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it was. It would be something that would be popular, but it's not. It's done. not a thing yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> because they probably only know like five people. Yeah. It hasn't gotten picked up by yeah. anybody that's got a million followers. Right. You know? And it's just. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. So to me, one of the scary things about about pop psychology and self-help books and all that is things like, I, I found this in our library. It's called Say It Loud, Revealing and Healing the Scars of Sexual Abuse. Hmm. And it sounds like a great idea, but to think that you can sit down and read a book and follow their instructions and be all good mm-hmm. after dealing with sexual abuse is mm-hmm. outlandish mm-hmm. to think that, that that's all you need. Well, Unless part of what it says is go get a therapist. Like right, we were just right. Saying. <laughs> if you can afford it, go get a therapist. <laughs> well, and I think that it could be one person's story. This mm-hmm. is how I did it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, one I mean, of the things, sorry, go ahead. No, I do agree that they need counseling. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's not something that they're i think that's probably the most dangerous thing about self-help mm-hmm. books yes is that i could write a book about whatever past trauma i had it might help somebody mm-hmm. but if i wrap it up in a this is a cure-all yeah mm-hmm. you know someone could miss out on getting actual help that they need because right, they read right. a book that claims to be able to to mm-hmm. cure whatever it is that you're hoping to cure well and and i find this very interesting to see where this is going to go because it has really gotten big in um like health insurance companies advertising mm-hmm. on tv about mental health and that it's a big deal that they want to help people so i'm sure insurance is starting to cover right. a lot more um, of that kind of thing, whether that's going to cut back on the self-help books or if it's going to be a resurgence of more. I think it'll be a resurgence of more because we're trying to focus more on mental health. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can see a bunch of charlatans slapping sure. a couple of stickers on a book and being like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you want to live a better life mentally read my book yeah well do these yeah. books come because i don't read i don't really read self-help read books, books. <laughs> no I don't, I don't really read books, I don't read books at all just no. do these self-help books do they um the ones that you've read or seen do they come with those kind of disclaimers like if you buy a book about how to do a certain kind of exercise there's usually always a you know article at the beginning that says that this is not a replacement for actual you know professional training or, or medicine yeah, and usually they'll say check with your physician before starting any kind of program right blah, blah, blah. Do that, do those so books I, I have that usually like they do check just with because your, it's not a replacement for actual counseling yeah, or anything yeah. like that but who's going to spend 35 dollars and then read the mm-hmm. forward you know you, just, right. you get or into it the little it to get better or yeah. the little note that's under the copyright <laughs> exactly right. exactly they just put that in there to just cover their butt well yeah mm-hmm. so i can't sue right <laughs> well you know the other thing that really bugs me is those um marriage books about men are like this and women are like that mm-hmm. so i i read a book once that was okay Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. Spaghetti? Yeah. So, <laughs> and so here's the thing. The metaphor is men compartmentalize all the areas of their life. So if you're focused on one thing, you're focused on that one thing. Whereas women 
are multitasking and everything flows over and it's all tangled up together and they don't do that. I read it was stew. Like everything just is a stew, not hmm. spaghetti. But I might have read a well, different book. Might have been a different book, different, slightly different metaphor. But, it, but, but the men the were still point. waffles in that. But the men were still waffles. <laughs> they just waffle. <laughs> Everything. Is that like flip-flop? Spaghetti yeah. goes with everything. You can have shrimp, you can have chicken, you can have, <laughs> but, you know. But here's my problem is that I'm one of those right. people that is very much compartmentalized. If I haven't been known to wait two weeks to call and get doctor's appointments when I, not be, not when I'm sick, but, you know, to get, to get those checkup appointments and things like that that I know I need to get just because I forget. I go to work. I'm focused on work. I get mm-hmm. home. It's too late to call. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was my very experience. Much how I am in those is it, that mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a waffle. If we're going to go with that metaphor, because we read a book like that when we were getting married. Yeah, uh, me and Jessica, and I was like, this sound this this part over here about being like a stew. That sounds more like <coughs> me. And Jessica is really good at compartmentalizing, and I'm really bad or good at stewing except i <laughs> I, I, have, I have insisted that's where the stew came in I, I have insisted that i am a pancake hmm. not a stew if if she's a, if she can be a waffle then i'm a pancake and everything just goes on the top and just kind of starts to spill over the sides until you just <laughs> wow, kind of, that's yeah it. there's wow. no there's no compartments it's just a pancake but no, I, I haven't Same convinced basic anybody. Same substance, though. Yeah, I they're like both breakfast that. foods. I like that. <laughs> just one has compartments and one doesn't. Yeah, it's a matter of how you cook them, whether it has One is heated from the top and the bottom at the same time. Oh. oh. <laughs> there you go. And what does that mean? I don't, I don't know. know. Forged by iron. It's just... <laughs> I just think, you know, these, these sweeping generalizations yeah. about all women are like this, uh-huh. and all men are like yes. that, and it's... You're going to love idiot. my study. Yeah? Both of you are going to love it. Okay. Let me just start by showing you this picture. I'm going to fold down the title. <laughs> this is going to be like what the cover of the book, judging the... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. First of all, that is the worst picture ever. Anyway, how um, a man's not ever, but <laughs> right. How a man's chest signals his intelligence. <laughs> what? So the picture I just showed is of a man's chest. <laughs> but here we go. If you have a hairy chest, you are smarter. Did you huh. know that? Because you're not going to take the time to cause yourself physical pain to get rid of that hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that could be. Wow. So they found that hairy chests are more frequent among men who are highly educated, such as doctors. So I wonder if those women doctors have hairy chests. (laughs) Hmm. That's a weird study. (laughs) Did somebody really, like, seriously? But, yes. I mean, this Dr. Alias. Dr. Alias. Yes. He surveyed male trainee doctors in the U.S. and found that 45% of them were very hairy. <laughs> That's almost 50%. That's, 
That's like <laughs> the gen, like half the Doesn't general population. But it says say. this is in comparison to the ten percent of men in the general population who are very hairy. Is that true? I don't know. This was this pops. There's only ten ten percent of the male population is very hairy. It's willing to say, "I'm very hairy." I'm very hairy. Huh. Okay. <laughs> So it says that he also, it was the same was true when he looked at the academic rankings among students. Among engineering graduates, the top students had more body hair than the students who ranked lower. But it goes on to say that they have hairy Mensa men. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is just crazy. Mensa. <laughs> A survey of 117 male members, only 117. Of the High Intelligence Society, Mensa, found they were more likely than average to have hairy bodies. The most intelligent also had hair on their backs. Huh. <laughs> okay, and there's more. Of course there's so, more. So, <laughs> he looked at the body hair of boxers. So, after examining pictures of top-ranked boxers, he found that the world champions were less hairy than non-champions okay i have a question <laughs> naturally yeah hairy right non-hairy or i've made a conscious decision to remove my hair yeah. right i because think it's naturally because bo- yeah. boxers do that yeah right. they, yeah i know that there's some like swimmers do that too mm-hmm. yeah um, but then it goes on to say that einstein had no body hair I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, what were they? Tra- what point were they trying to make there? <laughs> so it ra- it raises the questions of what all this means for the modern fashion for men shaving their body hair. Could they be shaving off a proud signal of their higher intelligence? <laughs> that sounds like it's right up there with phrenology. Yeah, does what it is it? that? That's the you can tell how um, intelligent somebody okay. is by like the dimples in their head and oh and stuff. Like you can feel it and tell like whether uh-huh. they're smart or not. Yeah. Wow. I thought you would yeah. love that. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I have questions. <laughs> Hmm. So it's all about the hair in your body. Huh. That makes you Well, again, smart. for men. At least for men it is, huh? Right. That's a good good point, yeah. Hmm. Okay. You probably would have gotten slapped with a sexual harassment suit if you had asked any of the lady doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I would have slapped them with a sexual harassment suit. <laughs> wow. Well, all the things that I read... Uh, I think most of them, anyway, they, you know, had the little, the, the little disclaimer at the bottom or the top or mm-hmm. at somewhere in there that said that you know this is just, this is just for fun or this is you know not a not professional assessment. This is just based, you know, on just part of this one study. We just made this crap up. Yeah. So that's where I get the entertainment from. Is is like when you put, you know. A angry-looking hipster dude in, in a photograph and, bla- and a cup of black coffee, and say that black coffee is linked to psychopathy. Right. It gets people. It gets clicks. People are like, "Oh, that, mm-hmm. I'm going to click on that." And I'm I drink black that. coffee. Click right, <laughs> which is why I clicked on this one. I thought that that was very fascinating. 
<laughs> yeah. Fascinating, you huh. say. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This picture says so much more to me than. But there's yeah, no hair on that. Man. No, there's not. And he's very sad looking because he, he's well, dumb. Okay, you're right. <laughs> His, his head is down. You're right. I wish he I looks had. sad. He is a stupid, okay. stupid. <laughs> if stupid. only I had more and body hair. I just told hair. him that. Yeah, that because he doesn't have any body hair. <laughs> oh my so now he's very sad. Hmm. Anyway, anybody else have another study? So, well, the studies that I read were that this all started with the black coffee. Mm-hmm. Is there was a study done about the food preferences of people and. And linking that to psychopathy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so it wasn't just about coffee. It was mostly just about food preferences. And they found that people that had more (laughs) inclination to psychopathy preferred bitter foods. And they were were more psychopathic and more sadistic or whatever. And so that includes. So is is this a <clears throat> test that you did that you had? No, no, this was an this article. Yeah, this was an article. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. No, later on, I found out. I found a psychopathy test to rank to see how psychopathic we are. Yeah. We'll get to I, that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so there was wow. a, there was at least a couple real studies done on this, and then real studies. And then fr- <laughs> from that, the pop psychology articles that are the clickbaity ones are you know. So there are several that were formulated from that that said, do you like black coffee? You might be a psychopath. So anyway, um, yeah, one of them is real funny. This this lady wrote this article, and she's like, you know, she's like, first of all, I'm glad I got this validation because I can't understand why anybody would would willingly participate in drinking such a joyless, you know, beverage as that black coffee. Black coffee. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, yep, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, um, and so that was funny. And but even even she concluded that as much as I disagree with people that drink black coffee and you know think this is great that they did this study, this is not supposed to be taken as like mm-hmm. you know your your black coffee drinking friends and family should not be immediately considered as psychopaths because of that. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna keep my eye on you. Yeah. <laughs> I drink black coffee. I, I prefer black coffee. I rarely add anything. Wow. And I prefer not to. I think it just tastes better. I think adding stuff to black coffee essentially just ruins it. Um, but so not just black <laughs> coffee, but like something that's already hmm. you know ru- uh, <laughs> tonic tonic water or you know tonic with quinine <coughs> is bitter. I you know I love love a good gin and tonic every now and then. That's okay, bitter. that's what that was. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Right. Yeah. So I've I've had one of those once. It tasted like a pine tree. I hate gin. Yes, it I was hate horrible. It. It's so gross. Well, I didn't mention gin. It just said the tonic, but gin is a whole nother required taste. I'm sure. Uh, it's the tonic. So <laughs> I'm sure the tonic is gross too. So yeah, that um, and then radishes and you know kale and things that are just bitter tasting. I like, I like kale. I, I like kale too. So I like kale. Radishes are okay. My husband likes radishes a lot. Keep an eye on it. But he does not like kale. He won't like it. I don't know. One of the articles I read, um, it was very funny about like you does does are you on a date and you know watch what your what your date orders and if they order their coffee without anything in it, then you might want to ask for the check and. 
you know, move on to the next, <laughs> the next <Agreed>. prospect. <laughs> like they took this super seriously, or you know, the next silly prospect, but but like took it to like, <laughs> what are um, you a gold miner? <laughs> I don't know, whatever. That's you know, um, but yeah, and essentially that some some of those articles that I consider like the pop sci mm-hmm. entertainment were were being that silly, mm-hmm. like, mm. but it. It was a you know is a couple of studies, and it just said that that was like one factor. It's, it is, was not the the only part of the study like that. Mm-hmm. That let's see, let's do a test, and we'll see. Okay, the people that like black coffee, they're all psychopaths, and the people that you know, it, mm-hmm. was, it wasn't like that. It was just one one small factor. <laughs> mm. uh, I tried to find one of the original uh, articles. To read, and it was behind a paywall. I came across that a lot. A lot. Every time I was like, oh, I want to read the actual scientific academic article. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not paying you $14. There Bye. are all yeah. kinds of discussions going on at university libraries right now about that very thing. Yeah. It's just that, like, you know, somebody gets a, a federal grant to do a study, and then when it's published... Everybody has to pay for it to get mm-hmm. it. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. So I went down well, this. And how is it the average person that would like to learn right. more about anything? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I will say that with, at your public library, you have access to some journals mm-hmm. just through things like our text share databases mm-hmm. and things like that. But and it's not going to get you to everything. Not everything. Just no. because there are those other And there's always the possibility that, are, that we can put it out there in Interlibrary Loan right. and someone can email us a PDF copy of the specific article. Right. No one will ever send us a journal. Right. No, no, no. Say no. that mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. No mm-hmm. one will ever do that. But I also read um, on Twitter this woman that um, wrote a scientific article about something i don't even remember what it was Mm -hmm. but you know she referenced it in her tweet and then she was like it is behind a paywall email me Ah. and i will send it to you Hmm. and that she said that several times if you know who wrote it and you can find an email address for them Mm -hmm. to just drop them a line and more than likely they will just send it to you oh wow that's good to know yeah okay so i followed this psychopathy trail a little yeah. bit uh, because there's other studies that are out there about music preferences mm-hmm. and everybody knows I like my coffee black just like my middle uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah there's been connections made of yeah that, he's got two of these small factors yeah <laughs> that's like, that together yeah that all indicate that he's a psychopath <laughs> that uh, psychopaths tend to prefer uh, rap and heavy metal music mm-hmm. and that you know there's no other like conclusions to draw from that it's just that's the study and that was the they found that that was the preferences okay not that saying that those the music itself had like psychopathic you know messages or anything like that mm-hmm. but that that was just in a study that was what they found um, they got really specific with this, um, as far as I guess the control groups okay. that they did, and again, this doesn't really necessarily say anything about the music. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, maybe it does, you, I'll let you draw that conclusion. This is just the results. Uh, the two most preferred songs, I guess, like the psycho, the more ones with more psychopathic tendencies. All of them liked the songs "No Diggity" by Blackstreet and "Lose Yourself" by Eminem. Hmm. So I guess those are like the two favorite psychopath songs because of that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the I want least, to listen to them to, to know what they yeah, sound like. I don't know. The least psychopathic uh, tendencies, they preferred the songs My Sharona by The Neck. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> and it was covered by Hammerfall. I listened to that one. It was great. And uh, Titanium by Sia and David <laughs> Guerrero. And I listened to all these songs because I, you know, I just was like, I'm gonna listen to them, and uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I liked all of them. So, you know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's covering his track. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened. I listened to them. I'm like, you know, not maybe not something I would listen to all the time, but it's got you know acoustically, it sounds good, and I like the the beat. I thought No Diggity was pretty rad, and the the Titanium was mm-hmm. was a good, you know. Uh, not trance, techno, not te- not really techno. I'd call it, I'd call it club music. Yes, club is a nice hmm. club song. Okay, with CS. I only know Titanium because it was on one of the. It's on Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They did not do it as club music, did they? No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the acapella version was not club music, but it's okay. But uh, I listened to. To those, and I like, you know, I was like, okay, this is good. I liked it all. I didn't, I wouldn't say that I, well, you know what? I might, I might like, I like, might like No Diggity probably the best out of, but the My Sharona by Hammerfall was pretty rad. So, <laughs> I don't know. Y'all be the judge. <laughs> I'm going to go with No Diggity. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so that was the thing. And, you know, of course, there's always a counter argument. Like, you know, how emotional heavy metal music is and, and how, you know, you can't, how can you not listen to it and have, and be moved or whatever, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, moved negatively? Is that what you mean? <laughs> well, one, of the, one of the studies I that I read was fans, <laughs> fans versus non-fans. And non-fans listen to music like Cannibal Corpse and, mm-hmm. you know, other extreme metal. And they were you know, had increased anxiety and were stressed. But fans of the music listened to it and they said that they would feel, you know, more uh, cathartic and and feel like joy from just listening to the music. Hmm. And that might say something about acquired tastes as well. Like mm-hmm. black coffee, mm-hmm. they say, is an acquired taste. Like, mm-hmm. your first time you drink it, you're not inclined to enjoy it, but... Through experience. And why would you keep drinking it if you don't <laughs> like it the first time? I don't know, but I sure as, as heck like it now. There's no doubt about it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or it could have to do with personality traits like, oh, I don't like that. Let's do it another thousand times till I like it. As opposed to, I don't like that. I won't do it again. Oh, yeah. yeah that's true. Oh, yeah. Beer it can be very bitter. Or sour beer, which the first time I had, I was like, this is awful. Why would anybody drink this? And then I went back and I'm like, I want some more of that. Hmm. <laughs> but I, I think that I have a slight 
I don't know. I kind of I enjoy spicy foods. So mm. I was going to correlate it with that. That it's like okay, I like the spicy. I like the pain. like a salsa or mm-hmm. something, yeah. and then it's like you just want more. You yeah, wanna, you kind of crave it. Yeah. So but I can understand like that. It. I can't. You don't not like it, right? It's not like the the coffee or the beer that's like. Okay. Hmm. Well, and and then um, just to to bring this on back, one of the other <laughs> things that I took it was something that was published in the or uh, created in the UK, and it was very commercial. You know, all the stuff that I looked at was dot coms. I didn't, okay. other than the the legit article that I brought up that was very scientific and <laughs> and boring. <laughs> it was like like every every other half like every half of a sentence was like a citation of some other uh-huh. study or whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah. Um, but anyway, this UK thing, I took this little. It was like a very short psychopathy, you know, pop scientist. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it said that the people with the least psychopathic tendencies prefer cats as pets. Hmm. And I'm I'm totally a cat person, so. Although some people say cats are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. There's been studies done about that, too. <laughs> the looks they give you, I can, yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm mostly a cat person. I like dogs, though. Some of them. Where, where do people who don't like animals match? <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Probably in the psychopath camp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you asked. Well, that's where I sit in my verses. I'm well, not an animal person. Speaking of psych- <clears throat> psychopathy and, and people in positions of power. <laughs> in the <clears throat> yes, let's yeah. do let's, that. Let's go in there. The, um, in the the part where it said about like the heavy metal <clears throat> and rap music and psychopathy and stuff, they said that like this is a th- actual thing that. That they're doing, they can. They've gotten to where they have people that can identify someone's like if they're a psychopath just by looking at their Spotify playlist and stuff. Hmm. And they said that this is sketchy at best and and probably ethically questionable. Mm-hmm. But they said so is having someone that is a psychopath as uh, you know a CEO or you know in another position of power where they have a place to do a lot of harm. So. I agree with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're justifying their searching the Spotify list? I, I guess. I don't know that they were necessarily oh. endorsing it, but they were saying that, <laughs> that, you know, maybe we should look at things like that. Hmm. <laughs> it is ethically that sketchy. That is very interesting. Everybody's going to add my Sharona to their playlist. Right <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it said. It's not, from, that, from here forward, everybody that reads this is going to say that my Sharona and Titanium are their favorite their songs. Favorite songs. <laughs> It was interesting. Mm -hmm. And me and Denise took the psychopathy test. We took one of the psychopathy tests. Yeah, one of them. She does have it available for us to take. Are you going to take it first? Yeah, go ahead. I don't care. Either way. (laughs) Okay, I'll start. You go. Yeah. What is your age? I'm 61. So these are all true or false? Okay. I never, never get tongue tied. True or false? False. In important ways, I'm superior to most people. <laughs> In the important ways. Uh, false, I guess. 
depends on your definition of important. No. <laughs> I am prone to boredom. False. I like to make things go smoother. True. I cheat people out of things. False. I rarely feel guilty. True. I am an emotional person. False. I rarely connect emotionally with others. False. I often get others to pay for things for me. False. I am impatient. True. I am promiscuous. False. I was a problem child. False. I have difficulty staying committed to long-term goals. False. I am impulsive. False. I frequently perform sloppy work. False. I try to evade responsibility. False. My romantic relationships usually fall apart quickly. False. I committed some crimes as a juvenile. (laughs) False. (laughs) Never got caught. I have violated a probation order. False. I have committed many types of crimes. False. (laughs) I am neither shy nor self-conscious. I speak with authority. True. I am exceptional. True. (laughs) I need to take risks to feel alive. Mm. False. I am basically an honest person. True. I feel bad when I trick people. True. If someone deserves it, I don't feel too bad. True. (laughs) I think strong emotions are for the weak. False. I think if people get offended, that's their problem. True. I've always taken care of myself. True. I never act hastily. True. I think sex should not be taken lightly. True. I was often in trouble at school. False. I lack direction in my life. False. I never give in to temptation. False. I always keep my word. True. My problems are mostly the fault of others. (laughs) False. I don't like to commit in relationships. False. I was a bully in high school. False. Does this go on forever? No, you got two more. I have been in... I've been, I have been held in contempt of court. False. I am not or would not be proud of getting away with crimes. True. You scored a nine. Scores above 30 indicate psychopathy. You scored the same as me. Yeah. I scored lower than both of y'all. By <laughs> <laughs> one. Yes, I scored an eight. <laughs> Huh. Okay. <laughs> that was very odd. <laughs> so my my response to this psychopathy test was would a real psychopath answer all these questions honestly for yeah. real? And yeah. I I agree with you. I don't I don't think I, they I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. So they would never know. 
and and we would never know. Well, they already know, and they just don't want you to right. know. Right, right, right. Either way, hmm. I don't think I need to take the test. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Do you want to? Sure. Okay. <laughs> it was kind of long. Mm-hmm. And I hate these questions where it says, I am never, or I always, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just they, they try to trick me. Some of, them, <laughs> some of them are very absolute. Like you either keep your word all the time or none of the time. Sort of, you know, so, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Don. Okay. What's your I, I know now. <laughs> But it's kind of tricky because my birthday's coming up. Uh, 46. You never, never get tongue-tied. That's false. In important ways, I am superior to most people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard one, isn't it? (laughs) I guess it depends on what ways are important to you. (laughs) Right. I would say false. I am prone to boredom. (laughs) True. I lie to make things go smoother. I lie to make things go smoother? Mm -hmm. False. I cheat people out of things. It's false. I rarely feel guilty. False. I am an emotional person. True. I rarely connect emotionally with others. False. I often get others to pay for things for me. <laughs> False. <laughs> Is this? <laughs> hmm. I am impatient. True. I am promiscuous. False. I was a problem child. <laughs> False. <laughs> I have difficulty staying committed to long-term goals. Um, uh, probably False. Probably false. There's no medium here. Yeah. Yeah. I am impulsive. True. I frequently perform sloppy work. (laughs) No, no, I don't do that. Never. (laughs) I try to evade responsibility. False. My romantic relationships usually fall apart quickly. False. I committed some crimes as a juvenile. <laughs> False. <laughs> I have violated a probation order. False. I have committed many types of crimes. False. I am neither shy nor self conscious. I speak with authority. Okay, I'm not shy or self conscious. Okay, so true. I am exceptional. True. I need to take risks to feel alive. You're false. I am basically an honest person. True. I feel bad when I trick people. True. If someone deserves it, I don't feel too bad. That's probably true. <laughs> I think strong emotions are for the weak. Um, false. I think if people get offended, that's their problem. True. I have always taken care of myself. True. I never act hastily. False. I think sex should not be taken lightly. True. 
I was often in trouble at school. False. I lack direction in my life. I like it or I lack it? Lack. I lack direction. Uh, false. I never give in to temptation. That's false. I always keep my word. True. My problems are mostly the fault of others. False. I don't like to commit in relationships. False. I was a bully in high school. False. I have been held in contempt of court. False. I am not or would not be proud of getting away with crimes. Okay, so I am not or would not be proud of that. That's true. I would not be proud of that. That's a hard one to sort through. Yes. Yes, no, yeah. Right. Oh, you scored a seven. Oh! <laughs> Well, Bring Chris, on the black coffee! The nope. psychopathic <laughs> ones here. With a less. <laughs> Man. All right. Mm-hmm. Now we know. Now we know. <laughs> wow. I feel so much better. All right. That you're I'm not, you're not stressing <laughs> about this test. <laughs> so, what's the range of scores possible on this test? It said if you're 30 or above. Oh, I don't know. I think it goes up to 40 or 40, 40? something. Uh, it looks like the chart goes up to 40. Hmm. Okay. So if you're, so we're under, we're in the bottom quarter. Mm-hmm. And there is a bell, like a bell okay. curve or whatever on there. <clears throat> like, And I think all of us are maybe on the low end of average. So there's an yeah. average amount of psychopathy in a, in the population yeah. that we are not. It says that five because we work in a public library, <laughs> we're so chill. Less we're chill here. It says 5.5% of people score higher than a 30. Mm. So after taking that test, uh, and this is in some of the things I looked up, um, this would it kind of explain why it asks some of the questions it does because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to know like what what are the tendencies of psychopathy really I think sometimes we use that word and we don't even really know what a psych- how a psychopath really behaves like what that mm-hmm. means uh, so there's the hair psychopathy checklist uh, that's not that, hair. Not that oh. kind of hair wait a minute were they smart H- and psychopaths <laughs> Really? H-A-R-E. And this is listed on a variety of sites, both commercial and not. So I guess this is kind of like the, the litmus test or the standard. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, so these are the, the traits. Uh, glib and superficial charm. Grandiose um, or exaggeratedly high esteem of self. Need for stimulation. Pathological lying. Cunning and manipulativeness. Lack of remorse or guilt. Shallow affect which is super superficial emotional responsiveness, callousness and lack of empathy, a parasitic lifestyle, poor behavioral controls, sexual promiscuity, early behavior problems, lack of realistic long-term goals, impulsivity, irresponsibility, failure to accept responsibility for own actions, many short-term marital relationships, juvenile delinquency, Revocation of conditional release and criminal versatility. <laughs> wow. 
So I was just thinking about my previous <clears throat> Do We Like Murder book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he falls into that. Into all those? Yeah. 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 Mm. Crazy. <laughs> the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath mm-hmm. is psychopathy is you're born, I guess you're born with it. It's a personality mm-hmm. trait. And sociopath is like enculturated. Like you become a sociopath. If you listen to heavy metal music. Through your experience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say anything about sociopaths and that. <laughs> so just to be to be clear, there's a difference. Just to be clear. Yeah. They studied these children and they put them in two groups, those that stuttered and those that did not stutter. Mm-hmm. And in the stutter group, they had five or a control group of kiddos that did not stutter. And so they put them in this group and they told them that they were um, stutterers and that, you know, they just talked negatively to them where they talked positively to the other group. And the kids who were not stutterers started to stutter. Mm. So after they did this study, they went back with that group of kids and talked to them and tried to reverse the effects of the stuttering and they couldn't do it. Wow. Those kids remained stutters for the rest of their lives. <gasps> from what? Yeah. Mm. So that was a huge thing when you're thinking about studying somebody mm-hmm. and what you can potentially wow. do to them. Well, that, that. first of all, that whole study sounded cruel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> from the get-go, whether or not those kids turned out to be stutterers or not. Like, yeah. it sounded cruel to begin with. Right. Right. And I just have to bring this one up because Kitty Genovese case, Mm -hmm. you know that one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, the study of this one was she was murdered Mm -hmm. in a crowd. And she she was murdered um, on the street, but all of her neighbors could hear her screaming, screaming for help. Um, some of them even went out and looked out the window. Not a single one of them called the cops. Mm. Yeah. So they call it the bystander effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, it just had to do with murder. I mm-hmm. had to bring that one up. <laughs> um, yeah, that one's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of some of the dynamics of um, there was one couple who heard her screaming and the husband looked out the window, saw the guy. He, he didn't know that he, he was stabbing her. He thought that he was hitting her. And so he, you know, pokes his head out, and he's like, hey, you, stop. And the guy runs off. And so then he's, you know, getting on his robe, and he's going to go out there to check on this poor woman, and the wife stops him hmm. and says, oh, no, no, don't get involved. Oh, hmm. no. And she gets up and stumbles away, bleeding, and the guy comes back because he doesn't <gasps> see any cops. He doesn't see no one went out there to help her. He went, he's going to go and finish the job. And it's like the, that guy was going to go out wow. there to, to help her see that she was bleeding and, you know, try to get her some help. But the wife stopped him. And several people started to call the police, but then didn't call the police. Hmm. Like they'd pick up the phone and then be like, Oh, well, I'm sure someone else already did, and I don't want to get involved. Wow. 
and I think that there's a lot of that. There was another study too that they talked about like smoke in a room. And if it was the only, if you were the only person in, you would go get help immediately to let somebody know. But if there were other people in the room that didn't seem bothered by it, only like 10% of the people went to get help. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, and even, even with the, the kitty case there, um, she made it to who her friend's apartment and she can't make it up the, the short little bit of stairs. And so she's calling out to him. The guy that's been stabbing her comes back and finds her and is stabbing her on the stairwell. And the guy that was her friend opens the door, sees what's going on and closes the door. Wow. Like, I understand maybe not like running out there for you to get stabbed, yeah. but he didn't call the cops. Mm-hmm. He just sat down and was like, oh, well, whatever. I'm, She'll stop screaming soon, I'm sure. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And the way that works is like the more people there are, the less likely anybody is to respond. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the only, yeah, like you said, if you're the only person and you look around, there's nobody else is going to be able to do anything. So clearly I'm, I'm it. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a big crowd like Someone. that, it's like, well, I don't need to do anything because one of these people is bound to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's hard because, I mean, there's been situations where I've seen people who respond um, overzealously, I think. It's like mm-hmm. because they want their attention to mm-hmm. them, I think, in certain situations. Um, but I've never seen something where nobody reacts. So it, it is fascinating to me. I remember when, I, I think this kind of applies to this situation, I remember when uh, Bill Nye was doing a presentation at at something, and he like had a blackout on the stage, mm-hmm. and instead of everybody from the audience like you know calling nine one one or getting up to see what was wrong, they all the they all got out their phones and mm-hmm. started taking pictures. Oh wow. my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So I guess they're like, well, one of these people is bound to be you know yeah. calling nine one one. I'll yeah. just take a picture. <laughs> Well, and I think in that case, you would assume that the the production people are doing something, but yeah, that's what happens when you assume. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some somebody did, but just mm-hmm. the fact that so many people, like that was their first response. Right. right? Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Different. I don't know. Is that, is that still, I guess that qualifies as pop side, does it? Yeah, it's pop. It, it's popular. <laughs> <laughs> Is it only pop psychology if it's wrong? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I guess that would be dividing between science and pseudoscience. Yes. So I'm going to end on, I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything else. I have one more. No, I'm good. Okay, so my last one is the chocolate study. Oh, Chocolate study? Yeah. It says that it makes you cleverer. Clever. Clever. That's what it says. So, so clever More that clever? you don't have to use the word <laughs> clever. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Very interesting. But this is a 40-year psychological study that proves that your sweet treat can boost your gray, gray matter. Hmm. So it raises your blood pressure and brain performance. And you only have to eat it once a week. Baloney. <laughs> that's not true. I'm thinking, I, I don't think I'll start eating it well, more. What about often. bitter dark chocolate? Okay, so that at the very end, <laughs> they said. Like a psychopath, right? Uh, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> they did not test the difference between the dark or lighter oh, chocolate. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. They did not. Wow. Um, they found significant positive associations between chocolate intake and cognitive performance associations, which held even after, you know, taking into um, account age and mm-hmm. education and cardiovascular risk and dietary habits. And they did this uh, over several different years. So they took like a five-year study and then they did it again mm-hmm. um, later. And it says that um, the nutrients in the chocolate increases blood flow to the brain, improves a number of its functions, and it contains, okay, I'm not even going to say this word, but it's um, plant-produced compounds that enhance various bodily functions. Okay, but then it says concentration levels. <laughs> I was like, bodily functions, what kind? <laughs> so, and then it says, but you shouldn't rush off and stuff your faces with the magical sweet. I said, boo. <laughs> boo <Boo-boo>. boo. <coughs> anyway, so we brought chocolate in here. Did it make you feel better, Chris? Mm-hmm. Having some chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, see, there you the go. The first few pieces did. <laughs> <laughs> So, yay. Wow. Well, this, I guess that's it, huh? Do we have anything else you want to talk about? No. I would say that this has been the long overdue podcast and that none of the information we have talked about today should be a replacement or substitute (laughs) for actual professional and or medical advice. Yes. And they're probably myths. Oh point. yeah! At some point, these <laughs> studies that we've talked about might be debunked. <laughs> Except for eat some chocolate. Yes, just because it's good. Yeah. All right. Long overdue podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>